you are cordially invited to the manor in the woods, where an evening of discussion is being held by the O'Brien siblings. Catherine, the encyclopedia, Carolyn, the bookworm, Madeline, the wild card, and Mackenzie, the eclectic. Join them in the study where there will be talk of murder, robbery, deception, and conveniently cloaked figures. So get cozy, pour yourself a cuppa, and join us for mostly murder. But sometimes not. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of Mostly Murder, But Sometimes Not. Uh, my name is Carrie. I'm hosting today's episode where we are going to be talking about the movie Zodiac, made in 2007 by David Fincher. Here are my siblings. That's us. <laughs> I'm, that's, yeah. That's a, that's me. I'm Katie. Hi. I'm Maddie. And I'm Mac. You couldn't see it, listeners, but I did a, a lovely little Vanna White hand wave. <laughs> I was going to say, I really like that you're holding your hand out to the empty room. hello (laughs) anyway quarantine's um, been hitting us pretty hard we're basically just referring to the area directly surrounding us as where the people would be we're more used we're more screens (laughs) than men now i literally every time i watch something by myself i'm constantly talking to the screen and or the air (laughs) i do that to video games yeah i get stressed by seeing groups of people in the um in movies without masks on Ugh. me too <laughs> truly actually quick sidebar i was watching new girl the other day and schmidt came out wearing a mask because he was like working on some project and i was like immediately like is time <sighs> real did they put masks <laughs> back did they go back and like offer mods <laughs> speaking of disturbing masks i believe we were doing a movie <laughs> yeah i know yeah Friggin katie Sorry. All right. So, uh, like I said, we're talking about the movie Zodiac today. It's basically just, it's a two hour and 37 minute movie that follows a cartoonist at the San Francisco Chronicle, Robert Graysmith. He likes puzzles and he is introduced to the Zodiac killer through letters that were sent to his paper. And we basically just follow him through his journey where he becomes more and more obsessed with the Zodiac Killer as it gets further and further away from the murders and the public attention fades. It's very complicated, but I'm not going to go through all of it here. (laughs) It is a very complicated plot. Yeah, well, it is and it isn't. Was that that it? Yeah, that was my stuff. I mean, like, what do you want me to say? (laughs) It's It's literally just like, it follows the investigation and an obsession of this killer um yeah yeah it was wait wait oh, did i take a picture i don't think i did it was um the summary on amazon prime which is where i watched this was really fun because it was just like this is a story about one man's like like twin obsessions one man's obsession with killing and the other one's obsession with finding him and i was like all right cool. i don't think that's true that's no i don't think that's an accurate description can i just say one thing here at the open no of course ordinarily (laughs) we uh we watch mysteries with a sort of pseudo intent to try to solve them 
elephant in the room. I don't think that's going to happen with this one, guys. Yeah. You don't think we're going to solve the Zodiac Killer? I don't think we're going to solve the Zodiac Killer in presumably the hour we're going to talk about it. Because unlike most of the mysteries that we have on this show, this one's real, folks. I was going to say, yeah, this is very weird to one of my an things. actual mystery. Or, well, a is real life the- crime. I, yeah, the first I wouldn't time describe this is a mystery. Mystery implies that- <laughs> fun. Is this the first time that we've done something based on real life? I don't know based on, because I think every single one of these crimes must have been at least based on something. I mean, uh, Orient Express is based on the Lindbergh baby. Well, but no, I mean, is... like, this is supposedly depicting real events. You know what, Carrie? I think you're right. I was think I didn't really think about that part. It's been because... so long. Wait, <laughs> I I know. By the way, everyone, discounting our special episodes, this is episode number forty. Oh. Yeah. Woo-hoo! So look at us. Um, this episode's Carrie, old you... enough to have a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> have we all seen this movie before? No, I'm not done yes. talking about this. Okay, wait, oh. but I needed to know. All right, so this is, it's based on a real story. There, it's supposedly depicting real events that happen. Watching it, like, I'm kind of, we're obviously doing it and we're talking about it, but I'm, like, reluctant to do so. Because one of the things that we decided on the onset of this podcast is we didn't want to talk about real crimes, because there are real people involved and we didn't want to like seem that like we were inefficiently discussing them or whatever like we were we didn't want to seem unserious about it or possibly so that's why trivializing we like, yeah that's why we were like fictional crimes only katie yes well i think we had talked about that and it was more about we were going to talk about fictional, fictionalized movies. So, like, we weren't going to cover documentaries. We weren't going to cover, like, anything like that. I I do think, I don't know exactly how this made it onto our list. I think maybe we were just looking at movies about detectives, movies about investigators. This is one of those. But it's partly because. So, I we glossed over this. Is this the first thing we watch that doesn't have a solution? Oh, I doubt it. There's probably unanswered questions we've gone through before. You guys are like, kind of operating on the assumption that I remember anything beyond like a week ago. <laughs> I'm fairly certain this is the first thing we've watched that doesn't have an ending because the Zodiac Killer is still unknown. and But it creates its own ending. Kind of. I mean... Carrie, can you talk a little bit more about Fincher's process of make like developing and making this? Or do you um, want me like I didn't I looked at that web Katie sent me a website of uh fact versus Fincher. So it kinda like <laughs> went through the scenes of the movie and was like, here is what was portrayed in the movie and here is what is true. And um but I didn't really go into the his production of it i know that the robert graysmith is a real person like all of the people that were depicted graysmith avery tashi um williams the detectives literally everyone 
Yeah, like they're all real people. Um, Graysmith did write a Zodiac book. He also wrote a sequel, Zodiac Unmasked. Um, and so that's kind of what the first one was kind of what the um, screenplay was based on. But he, like the website Katie sent me to said that it was like a highly fictionalized portrayal of it all. Um, so like there's, I don't know much about like his, like David Fincher and how he went through it and how he like produced it and directed it, whatever, whatever. So I was curious about that because I do think this is a, one of the first things that's fully like portraying a real thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is just from Wikipedia. So like grain of salt, but it said that he liked the, he liked Graysmith. He had read the novel and Fincher grew up in California in the seventies. And so he knew about this case. He said his dad was very casual about like the bus threaten things like fincher was literally a child on a bus in the 70s and his dad was like oh yeah there's this guy who's threatening to kill all of you like when he asked about it on the news and so he liked the case and i think he found gray smith's book but we all know with true crime and serial killers there's especially when there's no solution there's always so much speculation and things and things in the zeitgeist that aren't true. So Fincher said that he wanted to make it, like, try to make it as accurate as possible while still making it a cohesive film. So he went back in the, like, early 2000s and interviewed a bunch of people, like, people who were involved in the case, the investigators, anyone who's still around. He spent 18 months, basically, reinvestigating the case and then but he was like but i would talk to people and memories are different and people would say things that contradict each other so he said whenever there was doubt we just went straight to the police report and just accepted that as what happened which we know is not always the case Mm -hmm. but i just found it really fascinating that he literally just spent a year and a half in literally investigating the case and then putting together this movie and this screenplay. There was a director's cut DVD that came out with a bunch of behind the scenes stuff. And I think there are, there was a documentarian who um, put together a thing maybe with that footage, but the, um, the fact versus Fincher thing in the conclusion, they kind of talk about that. Yeah. 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 Because I don't know. I have watched other things that cover like there's a couple different Jack the Ripper movies that put forth who they think the killer is like we've um, I know think it's, it's not on our list but like so from hell thinks it's one person and that murder by decree one thinks it's another person. So I found this very interesting that although they do kind of follow that Arthur Lee Allen person they don't definitively say they don't put forth like the movie I guess, okay. Emotionally, the movie puts forward that it was Arthur Lee Allen. Well, no, because at the end they said that they tested the DNA and it didn't match. And immediately after that, they said that didn't discount him. Well, the police said it didn't discount him. Yeah. I guess, I just found it really interesting The movie's putting forward someone as the killer. We need to make that straight here. Right, yeah. The movie definitely 
sets up that you're supposed to think it was Lee. It's heavily implied. You do not show in a movie that a man has dead squirrels in his freezer and not also try to imply that <laughs> oh he's my a gosh, murderer. That really gross. Oh my gosh. Anyway, so like I wait, I wait was I'm not kind wait. Sorry. No, I just wanted to say then that this I just thought it was interesting. It didn't it showed the crimes like I mean, probably as they happen. It was kind of graphic, but also we never saw Arthur the Allen take off the hood. We never saw him, you know, like it was never definitively placing him at the scenes. So right. it did leave that bit of mystery. And I did like that. Well, it did show the, those crimes happen. Like when you see a movie about Zodiac or when you see a movie about, I don't know, Bundy or someone, you know, it's going to follow them. This didn't follow them necessarily. It followed the investigators and Graysmith. Okay, so like I was saying, um, <laughs> I don't think we should talk about, I mean, maybe in the, like later on towards like the end, I can look at, I can um, like tell you guys some of the fact versus Fincher things, but I think we should focus on this as a film, as a piece of art, and not necessarily as like a d- depiction Verbatim. of truth. Yeah. yeah yeah or like, like like literally treat it like seven which fincher also directed yeah you know like so, it's a like, movie i we will just here's the caveat yeah like it's terrible that real people have died this has become like a very um notorious serial killing like all of the letters and stuff to the police like it's a it's a big part of the culture, but we're just focusing on this specific piece. movie as a piece of art. Right. Yeah. We're like, not going to discuss the case. We're not a true crime podcast. Yeah, there's enough just, of those out there. We spent a whole month trying to learn a bunch of pun filled, fun, <laughs> holiday, joyous murder <laughs> love triangle situations. We're not going to try to solve this one, folks. We're giving so, our brains we're giving our brains a break. This is just I'm gonna say this is a critical review. So to um follow up on Katie's question, is this the first time that you guys have seen this movie? No. Yeah. Okay, so Mac, when was the first time? It was a while it? ago. It didn't really stick with me all that much. There were only two things that really stuck with me. One, this is the I'm going to guess this movie was the groundwork between the acting relationship between Mark Ruffalo and Robert Downey Jr. And two, uh, there was the scene in the end where there was just that tense look between um, uh, the cartoonist and the accused serial killer. And that was when I thought, okay, the movie's made up its mind. Because the movie doesn't make up its mind by looking at the audience and saying, I have proved with evidence and facts that this person is the murderer. It does it by how you feel, Carrie. Okay, so it Katie, does it by when how did you feel? <laughs> when did you see it? <laughs> um, I don't one hundred percent remember. It might have honestly been at least like ten years ago. Um, I know I had seen it before because I remember just certain little things. Um, like I remember Downey and the houseboat mm-hmm. scene. I think it was after Iron Man had come out. But 
that's and it was a long time ago like definitely when i was still working at toys r us which was at least seven years six years so okay when i watched it again i really actually didn't remember i remembered how it felt but i remembered very little specifics and to max point watching it again i don't know why but it never connected with me that until an hour and a half into the movie that RDJ was Iron Man and Ruffalo was the Hulk. And then literally two hours in is when it connected that Jake Gyllenhaal was in Spider-Man. <laughs> and I was like, are they just putting... Like, all famous people now are just going to start doing Marvel. Uh, probably, yes. I mean, there's I mean, a we... lot of Marvel movies. So they we're just put everyone in there. Even Brian Cox was in the X-Men stuff. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, if you guys have been keeping up on the news, which, by the way, I'm going to date this video, we just found out Christian Bale's <laughs> going to be in the next Thor movie. Ugh. Like, yeah. we're off the weekend of the Disney stockholder mega drop of everything they're doing, and, like, Disney Plus is going to explode with a bunch of Marvel stuff, a bunch of Star Wars stuff. Like, there's, they're culling all of the actors. Like, it's, they're, they're all going Truly. in there. Have you guys seen that they're making a new Disney Plus series off of Palpatine's left nut? Oh, man, the characterization, everybody. Oh, I, I can't wait to see that. what one of That's the testes of Sheev is like. It's like Ew. his face is that wrinkly. Just imagine how much more wrinkly. <laughs> no, fun, no fun fact, actually, it's just smooth down there. Ooh, <laughs> all the wrinkles like just kind of <laughs> right to his face. Oh, oh yeah, it looks like we dipped an egg in epoxy. It's just... <laughs> um, so we... Yes, the actors are fun. I love them. Um, Jake oh my gosh, was great. Apparently, um, he was... I think it was Fincher who said he saw him in uh, Donnie Darko and was like, he is. He can play the dual sides of the coin. He's like naive, He's my boy. Obsessive. Like, I loved him. He can be innocent Boy Scout, but also like a little bit... Yeah, I wonder. So a little bit touched, like they said. Fincher kind of um, mirrored Graysmith's journey, I guess. If he went through and interviewed everybody and tried to put pieces together and stuff, so maybe he was like, "I also want to be pretty hot." (laughs) So he's just like me. They presented that (laughs) character as potentially autistic. Um, I think they had some traits. He uh, had some issues with eye contact, but he didn't shy away from people, which I know is not really a thing that autistic people do. I would say, yeah, sorry. I don't Um, know. Pretty low on the the spectrum, if so. Like his social skills were leaving something to be desired. When you go on a first date with somebody. Oh my God. That date was was pretty atrocious. It was a disaster. He yeah. is just lucky that that lady is down for some murder stuff. But it could it not it wouldn't necessarily be on the spectrum. It could just be an obsessive personality, which is different. Mm-hmm. Like being obsessed with something is often associated with autism, but there are people who are have obsessive personalities <laughs> and are not on the spectrum. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Jake Gyllenhaal was very good in this. Great. We also, also, obviously, as Mac pointed out, we have Robert Downey Jr. and Aunt Mark Ruffalo, like, in the same movie. They're not in the same 
scenes too much. Like they don't really not all three of them. Yeah. Um, I'd been kind of excited to see this movie. Like when we said when we pulled Zodiac out, I guess my thought process wasn't exactly like, oh, that's a real thing. I didn't even think about that. We shouldn't do it. Um, I was just like, man, I've been so excited. I was like, (laughs) man, I've been wanting to see this movie for a really long time and from like all i saw about it i thought it was gonna be like uh robert downey jr mark ruffalo and jake gyllenhaal like teaming up kind of thing and i was waiting (laughs) that whole time for it to happen and it never really did (laughs) or kind of good it's a good movie i think it's done very well as a movie you know i mean because he made it more of a movie about so some of the critics pointed out it's just a movie of dialogue which is true but it shows kind of the mundanity and the everydayness and the obstacles and also like the bad things about police work in the 70s because no one wanted to communicate with each other oh Everyone yeah it was like a tit for tat situation that was those so two officers were initially looking for a black person so they just let a potential uh the potential killer go neither of those things are accurate by the way like in real life yeah. I thought it was. Oh. No. Okay, never mind. We don't have to get into it, but <laughs> No no no. Let's we can get into it movie wise. That happened in the movie, which is what we're talking about, and not That's the real true. murder, which is not what we're talking about. So have any of you guys watched or read I'll Be Gone in the Dark? Nope. I have watched it. Read it. So I I was getting I mean, I don't know if it's because it's the 70s and investigations and the 70s had some of the prolific... In California. California. It was like Bundy and GSK and Zodiac. But this movie felt a little bit more like I'll Be Gone in the Dark, where it wasn't necessarily about the Zodiac, although it was, but it was about the investigation and obsessiveness. And in I'll Be Gone in the Dark, they talk a lot about how back then... Because these crimes were happening in different counties, the police were not working together. There was no national database for things. Like, I thought, did you guys find it weird that the FBI didn't show up at all? They um, they showed they did, up though. once with the cipher in the beginning. You know, the was... one that was solved by a couple of school teachers? Yeah, that was the best. <laughs> yeah, which I do love. <laughs> yeah, And the guy... Um... David Lee, the the character David Lee in Good oh my Good gosh. Life. Carrie, I, actor, I immediately I saw yeah. him and I was like, Carrie. He's supposedly from Justice, which is like the FBI. Mm. Oh, okay. Uh well, I speaking of the cipher, should we talk about how it was literally just cracked? Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh, yeah. right? So no, how weird is that? This week. Yesterday, there was a, a news article. I sent it to you guys. I was like, <laughs> this is our influence. It was behind a paywall, so I couldn't read it. But oh, I read it, it was... because I had one article left. Oh, yeah. No. So basically, this is what I found out. Ugh, I'm not going to remember well, the details. Well, I, which... I watched a video, and I could um, kind of Maddie, outline. summarize. Yeah, outline, Maddie. Just so because. There were these um, three guys who were trying to crack uh, the... I think it was like 270 something 340 340 yeah that's yeah all the numbers i said are right Um, because the first one was cracked yeah or the three that were sent in the movie were cracked but then Mm -hmm. there were other ones that weren't yeah so uh there was one cipher that was not cracked 
Uh, and these three guys used a computer program that they created to kind of figure out um, how uh, what the message was. And basically it was uh, written kind of diagonally, but with like one piece taken out. It was like in a big square of all these symbols. And uh, it was very... So it was like diagonal and then shift and then diagonal? Yeah. Oh, wow. Like the word finding hmm. thing? Yeah, it was kind of like word finding, but like they couldn't really tell. I mean, what the what the key was, so they didn't know what any of the um, symbols like corresponded to letters and all that. But um, the they had a computer program that figured it kind of out, and then from what the computer kind of figured out, they were able to piece together the rest, and that they needed to leave off like a few characters to um, make it work all together, and they got something that made sense. Cool. I don't want to disparage the amazing work that all three of those teams put into uh, figuring out this. Three people. This there's three people, and they were in three, three different people. countries. Three I think that's important. It was just like yeah, Australia people on their spare time. Belgium? So I, I don't want to disparage the Belgium? work of these three people. Yep. But did anybody else think that both the ciphers in the movie and the cipher that was just figured out were a bit of a letdown? Because they really just seemed like more on to the manifesto that didn't really reveal anything about the person. Well, It'd be are, like but if the Riddler's the, um... riddles only led to him bragging. Well, I mean, that's kind of what the guy like loved to do. He loved to brag and be the center of attention. So, yeah, the one that they solved, there's there were three um, ones that hadn't been solved yet. This is the longer one, so it was easier for them to do. There are still two that haven't been solved, but they're oh, shorter. I'm totally and wrong so, then. <laughs> so, therefore, more difficult because there are less repeating patterns and, and stuff. You can't find the words as easily, but they... It was supposed to identify him. Like he said that he was going to reveal his identity, his identity, and it didn't. But yeah. they, they didn't identify him. This is basically just kind of like saying, uh, 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 "Guess what? Uh, if you figure out, I, I, I don't know, but Max. it's, it's like figure. It's like the ring. It's like finally getting the rings that you in uh, a Christmas story, so you can figure out the message." Only instead, mm -hmm. you get the lore of the serial that you were solving for instead of the actual message. Yes, Katie. I understand your point, but in one of the letters that had been deciphered or something, he said that he was going to reveal his name in one of the ciphers. So there were four ciphers that were still uncracked. Three. We have now cracked one of them, so there's three left. Two. Oh. <laughs> okay, there were... Three ciphers that hadn't been cracked. We just cracked. So, like, it's disappointing that it was just him bragging again. But also, now we have two left. Maybe it'll get cracked in another 51 years. And we'll at least know. I mean, so we'll nail that 150-year-old bastard to the wall. People want to know. Speaking of the actors in this, I was really excited oh to see Dr. Green and June Diane Raphael. June Diane Raphael. She showed up and I wrote her name in capital letters. Dude, I was yeah. just like, June! No, you guys, this whole and movie Dermot had Maroney. just amazing actors that 
are really good in parts and like have I don't know. It felt like a bunch of people who are famous for other things were put into this movie. But even then, they're not. They're more infamous, like June June Diane Raphael and Doctor Green, even Dermot Moroni. Yeah, but who, like they're by all the way, good again. And it's just like it's kind of similar to, um, like the Marvel movies, I guess, where it's just like a bunch of good <laughs> actors. The Avengers of true crime. Yes. No, but it is. It's just like a bunch of good actors being like put in this movie. Yeah. I will say. Yeah. Even and especially it was interesting because they're playing real people. Mm-hmm. I looked up, I guess Mark Ruffalo had some conversations, I think, with the investigator with Tash, Tashi. He did. Um, and where Ta- and Tashi said that he remembered every like everything like mark said he remembered everything like what he was like down to what he was wearing on those specific days i yeah i wanted to say talk about his bow ties yes i loved his styling in this i thought it was very good and, and i feel like his hair it's a boon ties. to ruffalo because something i noticed so when he went to meet up with dr green at the diner and he took half the blt and he took out the tomato mm-hmm like, that's a very specific character choice that's interesting that's never talked about or never, you know, it's or not, there's not even a line. By me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was not even a d- line of dialogue from Armstrong because you could tell they're friends. So it was just like normal. And then at the end, when Ruffalo meets up with Hall years later and he's eating a burger, there's a tomato on his plate. Oh, wow. <laughs> and oh. I don't like, just like these weird things, these character moments. So... This being a movie of dialogue, you needed strong actors because the other thing That's that like I the noticed whole story, yeah, That's I didn't think about was that they wanted it to be more mundane to show like we're not going to glamorize the truth. We're going to try and just show like what it was like. And I didn't notice till after I was reading that Fincher said we're not going to put in backstories for all these characters. It's just going to be like here's the case and here so like. You don't learn all about their families and stuff. They're like secondary to. Yeah, I don't know who Mark Ruffalo's this dad cast is. Of actors. What Mac? I don't know who Mark Ruffalo's dad is in this movie. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm just mean, like mean good. It just drop. It's that's why you need strong actors. I wonder if that's why you need recognizable actors, so that you could see, even if you didn't know the names. You could point, you know, like... Yeah. Like, you have some um, emotional ties to them already. Yeah. Well, I definitely didn't write the names down of any characters until probably halfway <laughs> through the movie. Uh, yeah. I did not know what was going on. Yeah. And yeah, it also... Notes. Yeah. It was really very cool. Like, because the dialogue, I think, was written in such a way that you stayed invested the whole time. Like, I remember feeling the suspense and... Yeah, just enjoying, just watching it. It was two it hours unfold. and like 40 minutes and I didn't get bored. At, yeah, at one same. point, I was like, where, when does Jake Gyllenhaal become relevant to this? And then like, <laughs> that was at like an hour and a half in and like the last hour was all Jake Gyllenhaal taking yeah. the reins on the investigation. I agree, Maddie. Cool. I when I first saw on Amazon like two hours thirty seven minutes, I was like, "Oh boy," because it was almost one in the morning, and that's how I roll. Wowie! But I didn't 
feel the time passing. The only time I looked at the thing is when Arthur Lee Allen was first introduced because I was like, our first suspect isn't even brought up until an hour and 20 minutes into the movie. Which, like, is weird. But he was interesting. Yeah, that actor. I mean, all these people. I couldn't remember where I recognized him from, and it's the Drew Carey show because I'm a child of the 90s. They know what's funny. Yeah, that actor did a good job of making me uncomfortable, specifically. Yeah. It really reminded me of another David Fincher project, Mindhunter, where the um, where Ed Kemper is being interviewed. Carrie, I what? totally forgot he did Mindhunter as well. Yes, because I was I literally wrote down I'm also getting Mindhunter vibes, but again, it's the '70s about real crimes. So I know, I know, which is interesting. Like in Mindhunter, there's um. The, the two FBI agents are interviewing Ed Kemper, who is a real person, like, and the actor does an incredible job portraying so him. So good. Because he has, like, all the, the mannerisms and inflection of Ed Kemper. And so this guy who played um, Arthur Lee Allen, like, he had very specific portrayals. Like, he was very tall. He walked lumberingly um he he was kind of effeminate a little bit in the way that he sat um like and he, moved his hands yeah exactly like they're so like they i don't know if it's the way that david fincher chooses to direct or whatever or cast but he does a very like the the, the portrayals are very good yeah Great job. Of, like, real murderers or real people. <laughs> of real people, yeah. Can I tell you something funny regarding what? the cast? What? In the very first scene with the teenagers, I looked at the boy, and I was like, that boy looks really familiar. He looks like Mary from Psych or Minkus. one of the Nick Poyles. Oh. Yeah. And then at the end, he, the older version of him was literally played by the actor who plays Mary slash the McPoyle brother in It's Always Sunny. <laughs> and I felt justified. Yep. Wait, isn't well, that, that the the kid who plays Minkus in Boy Meets I World? Think it is. Yeah, I think Ha-ha. it is. I just realized it absolutely that is the the young boy. And that's yeah. so when I looked him up, I saw that he played Minkus, and I was like, oh, that's probably why he looks so familiar. And then later on, <laughs> the other guys the guy in Westworld. I think it's Jimmy Sampson or something. Simpson. Anyway. Yes, he is also in. Westworld, which is very good. I, d- yeah. I just said that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, you guys Katie keep talking. <laughs> Other than the three so-called leads, everyone else is just really good character actors, mm-hmm. I feel. Not like, just. I think they are. Well, no, I guess. We, yeah, they're amazing character actors. Yeah. I loved all the cops. Like, yeah, sorry, that's not a statement. That, that's not a sentence that you hear a lot nowadays. <laughs> I loved all the actors who played the cops. <laughs> yeah, you know what I, th- I liked is that one cop when Jillian Hall is like running in the rain to go back to that to Viejo or whatever. Viejo. And then, yeah, and the guy is like, "Oh, he's looking for the Zodiac," and the cop is like, "Good for him." And then he's the <laughs> one who shows up in the nineties. I love that. That was cool. <laughs> was like, I need I need to point something out about both both of those scenes that kind of runs through the entire movie. There's not a single thing that ages in this movie. Oh my God. Jake Gyllenhaal looks exactly the same 
in uh what was it 1969 as he did in 1991 his car looked the same in 1991 (laughs) i have been driving uh, a saturn aura for two years and that's already very apparent yeah yeah except we don't see him in 91 we see him in 83 all right 83 but still that's like 14 12 years for both the person and a car to age it's not just him mark ruffalo barely ages in this movie I think the only example, a solid example of aging in this movie was when they probably put an entire packet of, like, dried crystal light into Robert Downey Jr.'s hair to make it seem like he had white hair. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like he was really aged in that, like, too which much Which is almost. funny, because Paul Avery himself was actually in good health up until the late 90s. <laughs> really? When Mark Ruffalo yes. was like, I've been on the force for 25 years. I was like, you hardly look 25 years old. That's a lie, but, <laughs> but I yeah, yeah. get it. But like he does. Mark like, Ruffalo, they, baby detective. I agree, Mac. That was something I noticed too. Like they all look the same. This movie follows it. Like the passage of time is marked by the, um, what's the word? Caption? Chiron? Yeah. Whatever. The mm-hmm. title. Like two like a half month like two and a half months later, four months later, and then four years later. Like that's how Can you I know time passes. But eight like years later. the actors. <laughs> yeah, the actors all look exactly the same. I was a little annoyed with Amazon because I had subtitles on in the beginning, but they didn't move the subtitles for whenever the text showed up on screen. I know. So I, just... I was I had to like pause it and yeah, it was very annoying. I, I just like turned it. the subtitles off because I was like, I guess I'll just not catch anyone's name. Because <laughs> I want to know more about the passage of time. Yeah, like, in my notes, I definitely referred to everybody by the actor who played them. But when I was reading that Fact versus Venture thing, they wrote down, like, the real people's names. So yeah. I had to know who everyone was. When I <laughs> paused it, the Amazon thing had like the x-ray so I was like oh okay Mm -hmm. I'll write down all their names now (laughs) (laughs) perfect that's funny yeah one thing I noticed or like one thing that I liked about this was how the pacing was like the things that they show you building up to the murders like obviously you know that these people, like, something's going to happen to these people because they're completely tangential. They have nothing to do with the Zodiac at all yeah. up until the point where they're killed. But, like, when there's, like, that couple at the lake or the woman with the car, like, the buildup of it is done very well, I think. Like, it kind of speaks to the mundanity that Katie was talking about, although that was more to do with investigation. But it was, like, just... Life. And production design, and yeah, the way it was set. Was yeah, so you're just like watching life, and then the zodiac happens. I, uh, I, speaking of the victims, I have to say I saw a lot of them partaking in behavior that we absolutely would not nowadays, and I'm not sure if that's because we are so much more familiar about the nature of serial killers nowadays, and that they become so prevalent in news and media, or if that's just out of a cultural change. But did any of you guys clock the behavior of the victims that you never would have done? I'm thinking of the woman in the car with the baby. Oh, The one who pulled over for somebody who was flashing their brights? Yes. In the middle of the night, alone. 
with her but, infant child. Well, is that was that actually the zodiac or was that I I don't know. I guess obviously movie, I don't know. To, <laughs> yeah, in the movie you're supposed to believe that it is, but it's debated I, to this day. I don't mm. think it matters to the woman whether it's the zodiac when it's a man who's threatening to throw her baby out a window. Yeah. It yeah. is true. But like I would not have pulled over for that even if i did and he's like hey can i fix your lug nuts i'd be like no get the fuck out of here i'll do it myself <laughs> to your point mac i think one of the reasons that we now don't do that is literally because of these cases like people don't hitchhike as much anymore unless you're in a very specific situation like walking from mexico to canada like you gotta get to the ice cream <laughs> there's no <laughs> ice like, cream it's true, in the mac, like even when Jake Gyllenhaal met up with the movie projectionist or movie guy, and then he was like, come to my house, I was like, don't go to the second location. I got, yes, I know, I got John Mulaney's, oh, you're not getting me to a secondary location, buddy. Wow, <laughs> that's a very John Mulaney voice. It was really good. Hey, thanks. I feel like Mac has listened to it a lot. Yeah, probably. I have. I've memorized the horse in a hospital. That TikTok guy? who does I, he did that Mulaney does Shakespeare yes it was great uh, the other victim that I kind of I almost wasn't on his side throughout the whole thing was just the guy at the lake because we've got this girl she's doing everything she's supposed to be she's vigilant she's keeping her eyes out she points out somebody else she points out that there's a guy he doesn't mind she points out there's a guy coming towards them he doesn't mind. She points out that there's a guy coming towards them, but hiding behind a tree. He doesn't mind. She points out that the guy is continuing to come towards them. He doesn't like. He makes a joke about like him peeing behind a tree. It's not until the guy actively produces a gun twenty feet away from him that he decides to care enough to stop lying down. But I mean, they're out in the middle of the sunny day at like a park. It's not and necessarily a, on the forefront of your mind, especially as a man, especially in the 70s, that strangers are a danger. <laughs> <laughs> like, unless you grow up after the 90s and learn about stranger danger. Like, the amount? Although, actually, Katie, stranger danger, like, caveat this, strangers can still be a danger, but for the most part, when you're a kid, you're more in danger from people that you know than strangers. That's very true. You're right. And I think the stranger danger came out of the satanic panic of the 80s. Like, it evolved into, you should always be aware of strangers. They're going to try and get you into their Satan cult. There was a little bit of satanic panic in this one, too, with all the people calling into the radio station. (laughs) Oh, Oh my gosh. Because people were like, you know, uh, why are these people talking about all the victims being country kids? You know, we, we live in the city and there's a lot of Satanism going on around here. They just did the 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 cryptograms didn't seem very Christian to me. Yeah, which is laughable to me, uh, a history buff, because there's a lot of satanic sh- stuff in the history of Christianity. You can say shit, Mac. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to say shit. Sorry, I'm watching my language. Watch your not language. Watch your language. Watch oh, your shit. profanity. <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing I really liked in this movie was all the music i think the music was perfect it was done very well it really set a tone for everything that was happening for like well like setting it in time and then also setting the emotional um 
aspect of whatever was happening. I kind of disagree because <laughs> I loved the music, but I felt very awkward, like grooving to like <laughs> a montage yes. of like serial murders kind of thing. Oh, like yeah. letters. No, that is true. Like when the murder in the beginning was happening and it was like the, what was it? Gertie oh. Gertie Man? Yes, that oh one. I was like, I really like the song, but I shouldn't sound hound whatever song is happening while someone's being murdered. Well, but then I noticed in the end, they they literally bookend the movie with that song. Yeah. It's yeah. in the beginning and it's in the end, which yeah. I thought was cool. Uh, the one that got me was the... And I'm like... Yeah. Because I mean, this shouldn't happen during the murder. This should happen when Heath Ledger is knocking a guy off a horse. I know. (laughs) It's from Growing Up with a Knight's Tale. Man, what a classic. 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 Is Knight's Tale a a mystery? What, Mac? Is Knight's Tale a mystery? I want to do Knight's Tale. Knight's Tale, I don't think it's a mystery. It's not at all a mystery. (laughs) We know everything that happens in it. A A thing happens. A guy pretends to be a knight. Somebody starts looking into it. The evil count... So you're saying that the investigator is the bad guy? Yeah. I mean, hey, we could have a movie like that. You're we, right. We didn't always say that this had to be from the perspective of the good guys. Or sorry, it's not a mystery, Matt. Get over it. We already stretched it with Buffy and what was the other one? That wasn't a mystery. I mean, a lot of Attack things that of aren't clones. really mysteries at I all. We've definitely covered on this. Adventure time. Yeah, that no, that was one of the best <laughs> mysteries. <laughs> Maddie is so offended. I oh, am wait, the, le- the least mystery. I it's not Adventure Time. Adventure Time is a mystery. There were things you could solve. Guy left pink stuff behind on the door. No, least Thank mystery you. we've done is Blood Simple. Oh, you're uh, right. Yeah, yeah, that was not a mystery because like we're watching the before of the hand. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. So let's I, move on to some other I liked stuff. the music a lot too, but I would like to talk about the like shots that they did. Like the cinematography? So yeah. Because and I guess I didn't think about the fact that this started in sixty nine, but when they did the first overhead shot or shot of San Francisco, the city line, I was like, Where's that triangle building? Without <laughs> thinking about the fact that it wasn't built yet. But I liked the way that they used those interstitial visuals to show the passage of time. Like, so at least there's that. Yes, they, they, yeah, they don't show it on the actors. Then, uh, they did show the base earlier in the movie and then building the rest of it during I know, the four-year I just, break. I, know, I literally, when they passed, and they did a lot of overhead shots, which I found interesting, like following the, the taxi was so the cool. The shot with the taxi was amazing. The shot with the bridge actually felt almost like some of those old 60s, like, Hitchcocky adventure movies, mm-hmm. like where they're going over the bridge. Um, I did like you know that what one. I mean. I mean, that's like, something Fincher does very well. He's a very good visual, meticulous <laughs> artist. Yeah. You know what I found out? I mean, so I did a little bit more reading because so because Fincher, I couldn't remember if it was Fincher or David Lynch, and I think it's both who do like ninety takes sometimes, and everyone it's gets. Fincher frustrated so this is slightly morbid and awful but the girl at the lake who gets stabbed they didn't use fake blood for that at all so that he could so they wouldn't have to change the costume out every time Mm -hmm. so 
it's just a prop knife and then they literally put all the blood in cgi later because this is 2007 so cgi is like coming into its own they've done like lord of the rings they've done titanic and that stuff but that doing like stab wounds is a little bit different than like just a matte painting of a city you know Mm -hmm. but they developed to the technology to do the taxi shots and the people who currently live at washington and cherry street where the taxi murder happened didn't want them to be shooting there and also the street has changed so much so they all of that stuff was shot on a blue screen and then they built the city block so they took all these pictures of what it looks like today and they built the city block as it was in the 70s digitally Mm. which i kind of thought was really cool okay that's the best usage of cg is the one that you don't notice yeah like i didn't realize like i fully thought the whole time they were just maybe not in san francisco but just vancouver probably (laughs) or wherever they shot this yeah they did a very good job with that i didn't see that at all the 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 blood stuff i didn't really i didn't clock any cgi i didn't clock any cgi other than the obvious of like overhead shots or like we're standing on top of a building being made yeah Yeah. no katie katie thought that was real it almost looked real real. time i mean they did build it and they probably took pictures of it but probably not from the same angle to show you Mm -hmm. yeah probably not and they probably didn't do it that fast no another thing that i liked was we i mean we talk about atmosphere a lot like when we did uh devil in a blue dress like we're like i love how it feels like that time (laughs) and this is another one where it's very similar i mean like the music helps but like the costumes the styling the props like oh man all the smoking (laughs) the cigarette vending machine brought me right back to that shitty dive bar that used to be down the road from me that we would go to that still had one that worked yeah like it was beautiful it was very well done and like yeah the, i love the, the newsroom the newsroom felt very of its time and very cool and it really made me think of watergate i think because yeah 70s and newsroom and, and yeah and newspapers you know what it made me think of was that have you you probably haven't seen the movie shattered glass the one with hated christensen yeah what? no like we <laughs> talked about it a lot in grad school because it is indicative of you know a lot of editing issues <laughs> like it's about a, a journalist who made up stories and then like when he was caught kind of like backtracking and trying to say like proof- I didn't make them up I Right, like, like, this is, like, check out this voicemail, like, check out this other thing, but, like, there was no fact-checking done. Yeah. But, um, like, that's very newsroomy, and it's, like, at the beginning of computers, so. (laughs) Shattered glass. Yeah, that was I literally, I almost did watch it, because it was, it was after, definitely after Attack of the Clones. I don't know if it was after Revenge of the Sith. I have no idea, but, like, the... The newsroom thing was was there again. I mean, a and lot like, of uh, Star Wars talk in this episode. I mean, they it, just I announced. mean, they're <laughs> beginning to, like, they're owned by Disney now. Disney's starting to buy everything. Ten years including from Including hiring these actors. They're going to own just And hopefully one day, us. <laughs> no. 
Thank I was you, so annoyed no. at like how excited I was at some of their announcements. I was like, no, I don't want a monopolization and conglomerate to own this, all of entertainment. Like, God this damn, movie kind I... of almost made me miss being in an office. Like <laughs> really? The camaraderie, the atmosphere, yeah. like having your desk. Like, let's just go grab lunch. Yeah. Like I did miss when Jill and went to go to Ruffalo. In, and was like, let's go grab lunch. I was like, sad. Yeah, I, you know what? That police hall I loved too. Oh my gosh, was, the Hall of Justice so cool. or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> the scene where they meet outside with those globes and the stroller. Yes. It's a beautiful building. Yeah. That was one of the things that I remembered the most from this movie because I don't know if I mentioned it before. I don't think I did. I have also seen this before, um, probably like three years ago. But actually, no, it was. Right around the time when we started recording the podcast, because we pulled it out of the jar once, and I had literally seen it, like, the week before, or, like, two months before, <gasps> and I was like, right. I don't want to watch it again. Yeah. I just saw it, but, like, not taking notes and stuff, so. When did we first start recording? 2017? Yeah. 2017. Yeah. Okay. When did you hike the trail? It was 2018. 2018. So it was the year before okay. that. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I saw it I... three years ago. I have to give this movie credit because there was something that I was expecting to happen in an amateur investigator movie. And that was, we talked about those moments in Castle where something in their personal life suddenly flips a switch in their Ugh. brain and suddenly they have a brain. It's the, wait a minute, what did you just say moment <laughs> in detective movies? Yeah. I almost thought there was going to be one. Uh, when he knocked his coffee over onto his files. Oh, yeah. Well, that, he did. That would have been the... It was like a minute later. When she... Like, there was a file that I think she dropped, and it was Lee's yeah, driver's no, that license. Wasn't one no, of the ones that he, that wasn't one of the ones that he spilled over. That was... She gave him that. Right, it was just like I was going to say, before. did she give him that... Did she bring that file over? Or just divorce papers? I think she brought papers over to him and then, like, knocked something over, like, from a table or a counter and then picked that up and then, with the papers that she brought, dropped it on the ground for him. Okay. Interesting. Man. Spooky. That's the other thing. A significant amount of this movie was an amateur investigation. There were significant limits on it because we saw the official investigation where Mark Ruffalo and all of the other detectives are trying to figure out the killer. And then there's the second half of the, the movie, which is the amateur investigation, where we are well aware of the limitations of the resources that Jake Gyllenhaal's character would have. I kind mm -hmm. of wonder how like that would stand up in court if it ever went to court. And kind of how, um, you know, how there are armchair detectives, quote unquote, or couch right. detectives um that exist now if they were mm -hmm. ever to bring you know cases to court how i guess that works well it's all de it depends on evidence like you can't like it's like in the diner when mark ruffalo's character is like yes these things are all true but they are all circumstantial there is no hard evidence linking lee arthur lee allen to any of the murders I, I'm going to point out what they referred to as hard evidence back in the 70s, i.e. fingerprints and handwriting comparisons are complete bunk now. Oh my gosh. The whole time. Not fingerprints. I was literally, 
they kept talking about the handwriting, the handwriting, the handwriting. And I was like, that's really, I mean, obviously it's still useful, but you can't usually convict with just handwriting anymore. Yeah. No. Or you eliminate. at least. <laughs> like, yeah. Like handwriting isn't as hard a science now as it was in the 70s. Same with even like bite marks and stuff. But like fingerprints, I'm pretty sure, like if you had a fingerprint at a murder scene and then discovered somebody with that same fingerprint, it's still hard evidence. Like you can still convict. That's hard evidence, but if all you have is a fingerprint, it's not enough to convict. I imagine the way they describe it in this movie. Where and how they find the fingerprint. Like yeah, if, it's if in there's the a fingerprint blood, on the knife, only the um, fingerprint is under your thumb, and your thumb is around the knife, and the knife is in another person, then yes, that's evidence. <laughs> I mean. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I buy it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Should we go over our notes? Yeah. yeah. Like, we all discussed that this isn't really a mystery, but it was an interesting way of looking at investigation. And yeah. Like, I didn't take too many notes because it was, like, there wasn't too much to write down, I don't think. Like, maybe it was just me being involved and watching the movie and just wanting to watch the movie, but I don't have a lot. Yeah, I know. I had a difficult time writing them, too. Doesn't mean I didn't. Okay. A lot of mine were just actor names whenever they would show up and they'd be like, oh my gosh, and or don't pull over for this random stranger. Yeah. All right, notes. First note. Um, I know that the new Batman movie is kind of going for a weird Zodiac direction with the Riddler, and I'm not a fan of that. Next. It would have been incredibly frightening to be a cabbie in the 1970s. Next. It still is. (laughs) I I liked that they had a little bit more subtlety in uh, in this movie. Because Robert Downey Jr. referred to the amateur detective digging through his trash. And I remember there was a point earlier in the movie where uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character was just kind of like unwrapping some crinkled paper. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes to what Katie was saying earlier with the tomato. Like there are little things like that that aren't directly pointed out that are just left for the viewer. It's like part of life. Like, yeah. Uh, Next. I was surprised that the baby actually lived in that one incident with a woman who pulled over yeah me too that was bad (laughs) were you also surprised that the baby was just laying openly on the front seat i mean no no i mean no baby seats back then uh next jake gyllenhaal referred to this woman on his first date the privileged information that a tip had come in from riverside i feel like that's probably not something he should just say but he hasn't taken any sort of like Oath yeah, he's a he's not a police person. But if you I if somebody told me, "Hey, there's going to be a sting operation to catch a serial killer next Wednesday." I'm not going to casually refer that to like somebody I'm talking to at a bar. I wouldn't call it privileged information, maybe sensitive information. I would and call also it, that. it was an anonymous tip to a reporter, not to the police. Man, you remember like it, talking to people at bars, being in bars? Oh God, it's I reporter. actually miss it, and I hate it. Remember drinks but that you didn't have a, to make yourself? Ugh. You could but just try different alcohol. Guys, it was about a reporter that was actively being threatened by a serial killer. Yeah. I mean, I will admit it wasn't great. It's not good practice, but 
he was a naive cartoonist. He was a little, a little cartoon boy. Yeah, uh, what was that face? Making faces <laughs> at Tim. Oh. <laughs> All right, my next note. Uh, for a hot second in the uh, in Lee's trailer, I saw the squirrel in the cage, and I was like, "Oh, he has a pet squirrel." Until I realized that's not a thing. That's just a trapped squirrel. I hated that trailer. That I hated was that bad. trailer. You know too. what? Also, okay, so there were squirrels in the freezer, so he knows that he probably eats them. There's a squirrel in the cage, and then there are loose squirrels, meaning the squirrel in the cage has less privileges than the free-range squirrels he's got in the rest of the trailer. But more privilege than the ones in the freezer who are dead. (laughs) (laughs) Are we... I totally forgot they showed that weird wooden club thing on the floor of the trailer. That they also showed with the Zodiac, didn't they? Am I remembering that differently? What weird wooden... I interpreted something entirely different from that. It looked like a wooden um, rolling pin, almost. Okay, I got a very brief glimpse of that, because for a hot second, I thought it was a a wooden club next to a jar of KY jelly, and I didn't want to have to think about it anymore. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally thought, like, a weird dildo. I thought it was a wooden dildo. I, yeah. In that flash, I was like, there's something here that I don't want to examine. And I immediately put it out of my mind. But it looked <laughs> and here like we the, are, shoving wooden... it in your face. <laughs> but it looked like the no. wooden thing that the Zodiac had in his jacket. Or, I don't uh, remember that. I one don't, of the scenes. Wait, I don't know what you're talking I about. Think, I think someone had a wooden thing in their jacket that they hid. I think it was the Zodiac. Anyway. That's, All right. I'm just now connecting that maybe they're definitively saying that Lee Allen was the Zodiac. But anyway. And I, I still just saw a wooden dildo with KY Jelly. <laughs> Next. Robert Downey Jr.'s replacement at that news... <gasps> you mean Chandler yeah. and Joey's new roommate? Or Chandler... No, Chandler's new roommate. Chandler's new... <laughs> Chandler's new roommate. Did anybody else get big that douche from Die Hard vibes? No. Which douche from Die Hard? The bearded one who did cocaine on yeah. uh, Bruce Willis's wife's desk. I, I, I didn't, that. but I see the guy who was like, with the "Look, teeth. terrorist booby, I'm gonna talk your way out of this." <laughs> that guy. Yeah. No. I I get it, Mac. The beard and the his he's got a very unnerving, wide smile. That's why he was the weird roommate in Friends. That's why he was like, "I'm gonna make my own dried fruit or whatever." All right, and as my last note, uh. Robert Downey Jr.'s depressing boathouse is better outfitted than my apartment. Yeah. I was kind of jealous of the house. Me too. Right? Because inside, you're, you expect it to be all sad. And for I mean, him as long to be as it's like, clean, oh, I would want it to be clean. My life. I, I, parts of it were clean. Parts of it were put better together than my kitchen. That nice bar. It was a nice bar. Right? He, he would have a nice bar. He had Pong in the 70s. Maddie, stop. <laughs> <laughs> we spooked him. He ran off. <laughs> Spooked him. <laughs> okay, Max. So was that it? That's it. Maddie. Um, get get focused. Come on. I can't. I can't um, so I was wondering if they made, if they had real audio from the Zodiac calling into Calls. like the police. I, I, I was that as well. That was in the beginning. I was like, "Ugh, what was that? The real audio?" And the goodbye was very creepy. I didn't like it. 
Um, then I said, hell yeah, teacher lady, because they solved the riddle. The history teacher? Yeah, that the FBI didn't solve. Heh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought that, um, Armstrong was gonna die because he was like, I never got around to eating raw urchin. I'm like, oh man. And then it was his birthday. I'm like, oh man, you're gonna die. <laughs> I was about- two weeks from retirement. Yeah. They talk about that when he decides to move to to a different department yeah but that conversation happened seven years after the first conversation yeah it's entirely he's talking possible about eating japanese it food like in, the, in between well i mean like no, but who, it was just like i guess so back in the 70s it probably talking? would have been like a crazy thing to mention having raw urchin so it probably stuck in his head but i was just like so, you spent seven years constantly saying you want to try Japanese food and you never did. I know, Maybe. like in we movie time, some jokes that have lasted longer. In movie time, it's been forty minutes, but maybe it has something to do with the fact that he's on homicide and he's constantly on call. That's true. Yeah, like what I mean, if it we... makes you really sick? I Possibly. Guess. Um, and then I said it was very frustrating to see the police not cooperating. Um, and. I guess it wasn't, I guess it didn't really make a difference um, that there was a big crowd in front of the St. Vincent de Paul so that the fake murderer didn't show up. Because um, somebody else called into the um, the studio that the Zodiac said that they were going to call into, and it was a different person. And they were going to yeah. meet with that person, and then they didn't obviously show up. Um, yeah. Then I, I was like, I like how they're, um, I guess, quote unquote, like, how there is um, some more casual cocaine going on, just like in, uh, and then there were none. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Soup's cash. Yeah, just a lot of cocaine by Robert Downey Jr. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, no, don't stop. Hit him with your car to that lady. <laughs> um, and then how I was uncomfortable grooving while, yeah, it was while the Zodiac letters were being read. Mm. oh yeah yeah i have that written down too Mm -hmm. and i said that they did such a good job on that scene with arthur uh, Arthur lee allen when they were talking to him i was very uncomfortable and i don't know there's just such suspense and he did a good job acting like a serial killer (laughs) Um, it's a very good scene it's yeah yeah and then, uh, what is Jake Gyllenhaal's role? And then, like, five minutes later, he was taking over the case. And so I said, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and how do people with obsessions that strong make money? <laughs> I was wondering that. Because they, like, like, lose so... their jobs. and. But I guess, in real life, Grace Smith just started writing. He wrote books. So the first, the Zodiac novel came out in the 80s, I think. Yeah. And then he wrote a second one. And then he also wrote other true crime ones. Or he's a down on his luck cartoonist, so furry commissions. Ay, ay, ay. It's the 80s, and I don't think you could do that. I don't think furries really took off <laughs> in the 80s. Um, but yeah, anyway. I don't, I don't know, but I don't, I don't really believe, know much about yeah, that. <laughs> I would believe somebody if they told me there was culture. an underground furry. Yeah, that's the thing. It's even more shameful, so you can charge even more. Yeah, but. How do people find you? That's the key. You had How did to they find gay the porn back then? You had, to, you had to have a guy. So I actually just watched a video about that because there was a guy who 
collects vintage. Not our topic. I know. It was just really interesting. There were these magazines that would come out that were for bodybuilding, quote unquote, in like the 40s and 50s that were literally just like basically gay porn magazines. But they were for the man who wanted to, I don't know, explore the men's physique at its peak. Yeah, it was really interesting. Anyway. Um, Anyway, my last note is that I like how they keep having to feed Mark Ruffalo um, and then I said, <laughs> I am Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> Truly. It's just like normal to have animal crackers. Yeah. Or just like, every, he's like, hey, can you feed me? Hey, can you feed me? Hey, can you feed At me? At first, I thought it, he was diabetic. But then I was like, no, he just gets hangry. Yeah. Um, and I mean, you preach, like man. Him. You wouldn't like him when he's hangry. Yeah. I have to um, have snacks. Or I get <laughs> frustrated and angry. Frangry. Okay. Frangry. All right. That's it. No, that's when Fran Drescher gets angry. I wouldn't want to see that. She'd be a, I know, a right? thing to behold. Be weirdly terrifying. Katie, what are your notes? She's a powerful woman. <laughs> um, I like the 70s logos in the beginning with the music. Mm-hmm. I like that the... Um, woman was driving with that couple we first saw um i wrote god this is really messed up obviously i was very excited to see a 70s up um, united states postal service truck in the very beginning uh we're gonna talk about this later but it when you see the newsroom in the beginning with them talking about the letter it's just so apparent how many men are around and then again with the police it's just dude central um, we didn't talk about the newspaper guy being Dr. Shepard. Hello, from Lost. Yeah. Hmm. Like, truly, everyone. Um, I really like Downey Jr.'s costumes, and I noticed most of the time, the only time there was any color in the movie, it was with him or the blue drinks. Everything else was very 70s muted brown. and very 70s browns and yellows and oranges and greens, but... He had the one jean jacket that had, like, all this painted rainbow stuff on it. And I was like, I'm sure that was something with Avery itself. And because, like, they were in San Francisco and they never even touched on any of the Haight-Ashbury, like, anything other than the comment about hippies. So, um, I think it's important to note that Jake Gyllenhaal was 26 when they shot this. So, gross. Wow. (laughs) Truly, Jesus. I think that, he was twenty-seven that's how when old it came Mac out. Is right. You're twenty-six. Yeah. Right? Um. Oh shit! I am. <laughs> <laughs> You're not divorced with two children. I mean. I mean that you know of. That's true. Ah! Um, and I like that they tried to age him four years by giving him slight stubble. It just made me laugh. <laughs> really, I think let himself killed... go there. <laughs> Being killed in full daylight is just like an additional shitty, shitty thing to happen. Um, it bothered me that they were airing the call. And I know, like, in the news station. Yeah, live. The guy in the morning, live. And I know it was probably because the Zodiac, I can't remember, like, threatened. And, like, but I was like, why couldn't they just pretend to air it? And then I was like, because he's obviously probably watching yeah, it. Yeah, he's, yeah. But I just, no wonder everyone is like fucked in the head from the 70s like just seeing this stuff 
every day on the news and you only have four channels so you have to watch one of the four and they probably all are talking about this um i like the blue drink we talked about how much smoking there was again i love june diane raphael and it was such a joy to see her show up um i was even i was upset with the woman with the baby who stopped and then when he left like fixed her tire and left I was like, at least get out and check. Like, make sure his car moves away. But then I was like, but if there was a second person who jumped out that you didn't notice, like, whatever. But still. Um, this literally has mysterious cloaked figures. We don't actually know who's under the hood. So, um, this is awful, I wrote. I don't know why, how, but probably something awful. I liked the scene in the phone booth a little after the date. I thought it was lit very coolly and like having her kind of, she's like, is this a way to get me to come home with you? <laughs> like I kind of liked that bit of personality because she was not allowed a lot of personality because she was the nagging wife. Of course. Um, I liked, I wrote, I wrote that I'm really sad. This is unsolved. Duh. <laughs> Yeah. And it's not just because I want to know. I think people need the closure. I wish we could know. Yeah. Um, I was surprised John Ennis popped up, who I also really like. He's the guy um, who's always playing the sidekick on Thrilling Adventure Hour during Captain Laserbeam stuff, <laughs> whose name is Trevor, and you would recognize him, his voice. Just like Seven, Jake Gyllenhaal used library books. To, like, find clues. Like, who took this out from the library and etc. And I thought that was interesting. I liked the line. Or just like Mary-Kate and Ashley. (laughs) They went and talked to a librarian. They didn't necessarily look at who took out certain library books to trace No, but they did use special glasses that can see invisible ink. Oh, if (laughs) only we had special glasses that could see serial killers. I mean, honestly. Would you we'd want probably that? be a little bit scared. Uh, yeah. I'd be like, there's probably more than we realize. Because also, most of the serial killers we know about are people who have killed, like, young white women and who d- weren't sex workers. So, like, all the other serial, like, prolific serial killers who killed people that the police didn't care about for decades, like, we never know about. <sighs> anyway, I like that... <laughs> They, I can't remember who said it to Jake Gyllenhaal, but they were like, you don't smoke? And he was like, once. <laughs> when he was uh, in high school. In high school. In high school. Um, I like that they were trying to create tension with the movie guy, but also it felt a little weird because like, he wasn't the killer, probably. And it felt... I really, really liked this movie, but that was the only scene that felt a little cheapened because it felt like they were trying to offer some sort of denouement where he catches the killer. But it's not him, you know? Denouement? Whatever. <laughs> it felt like in Silence of the Lambs when she goes to the house. Just because there's a creepy basement. To get the same, yeah, the creepy basement, the creepy guy. I actually kind of loved the guy. He probably was just having fun with it. Like, that was the vibe I was getting. Yeah. Like, let me just mess this guy vibe. up. Um, and I think my last note note is that the help always knows. Talk to the help. The fact that the woman was the one who talked to the at the lawyer's house, that his maid was the one who talked to the Zodiac, not him. Like, most of the time, 
the like you just talk to the people that no one notices and they know everything so that's my last notes i have a couple fun facts that i don't know if you care about well why don't i go through my notes okay um i also wondered if that was the real tape maddie yeah i didn't want to think about it because i hate that like i hate 911 calls i hate hearing that's one of the reasons i don't love reenactments even i liked the cars the music the costumes the props again with atmosphere Mm -hmm. um cars really do a good job of placing you in a time period and i think he does the same thing with um mindhunter because they drive around a lot and yeah there's a lot of cars i love mark ruffalo's styling he was very sexy especially in the diner (laughs) when he's like wearing a dark shirt i mean he's got got the shoulder holsters which is like i'm always into those does Uh, it have a did you notice it looked like the gun was like almost falling out but i noticed that all the time yeah like those shoulder holders they angle angle the gun in such a way that i'm like there's like a strap that i know holds them in though but it's just like it's weird um rdj and gyllenhaal had very good chemistry i liked that a lot um the whole thing with the um the tipster calling jake gyllenhaal and then he's like yeah there's this other guy who left a canister at this other guy's house and like it was just very confusing and weird and i didn't like that because like it was hard to follow i completely forgot who vaughn was and then supposedly this like marshall guy left a film canister with vaughn and it had to do with like vaughn played the mysterious or the, the most dangerous game movie at like the movie house where the one guy was a projectionist and like it was convoluted. Marshall and weird. was the projectionist, and I think the guy that whose house he went to was the Vaughn was the organist. Like he played right. the music, and apparently also weird. did the posters. <laughs> um, Jake Gyllenhaal looked exactly the same throughout fourteen years <laughs> in this entire movie. Did not like it. Um, there's precedent for that. Is it that Jake Gyllenhaal is basically white Jesus? <laughs> well, like he still looks pretty similar to when he was younger. Now, if he if he can fully shave his face, there's a little bit stuff in his eyes, but like he looks different. If a little different, I mean, I guess I was reminded of when he was in the snack lunch bunch. Just absolutely bonkers. Um, <laughs> Katie, why don't you do your fun facts and then I can do a few of the the real facts that are inaccurately portrayed in this, according to that one site you sent me. Okay. Here are some fun facts. Well, this one's not so fun as it is interesting. I promise it's not like the last time I did this. Okay. <laughs> Um, Katie's but, fun, not fun facts. <laughs> yeah, the one about the Black Dahlia. Actually, apparently, Ooh. Steve Hodel is like tried to say that his dad might have ha- been the Zodiac. <laughs> also, Ted Kaczynski is one of the like the Unabomber is one of the people who said might be the Zodiac, but also Ted he might Cruz? be the Chicago poison pill. Yeah, I don't think they're real, but Ted Cruz. <laughs> No, Ted Kaczynski, the Unabomber, is one of the 
I know. Out more left field. I know. Can I tell you? Carrie, what was that face? I said she's making a joke. So the Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer thing. Like, obviously everyone who says that knows it's not true. He was literally born in 1970 after the first murder. It was his dad who was supposed to be. But according to a 2016 Florida voter survey. Oh, boy. 10% of people believe that Ted Cruz, the senator, is Zodiac Killer. It was supposedly his dad, not him. No, I know. But because of just the power of media and the zeitgeist and memes, 10% of people polled in Florida said they believe he himself is the Zodiac Killer. And 28% say it can't be ruled out. How okay. many of those were gators? <laughs> I'm just saying, I hope it's all as a joke. Because they were very specific that it was Ted Cruz, the senator, not his dad. But. What are your facts? Well, actually, that was one of them. So, have fun with that. Um, what a the perfect guy... joke to segue into one of Katie's facts. <laughs> the guy who Ruffalo played... And the surviving victims were actually consultants on the movie. So they consulted with the screenplay in the movie. Um, David Fincher knew Jennifer Aniston. I can't remember how. And he asked her about suggestions for actors. And she suggested both Gyllenhaal and Ruffalo. Because she had recently worked with both of them. So without her, we might they might not have been in it. Um, one of the people in pop culture who was inspired by the Zodiac was the Red Hood on Riverdale. Just to bring it back. <laughs> or sorry, the Black Hood. Yeah, the Red Hood <sighs> is Jason Todd. Yeah, sorry. Spoiler alert. <laughs> uh, or the man who would become the Joker if you're going to follow the comics. Yeah. Um, Another callback to a previous-ish episode. Melvin Belly, who's the lawyer that Brian Cox plays, was apparently a famous lawyer in California, and one of his clients at some point was Lana Turner, which I thought was interesting. Yes, Maddie. Also, um, he's another Marvel tie-in. He's Stryker in yeah. X-Men. In X-Men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Marvel's just picking up all these people. I mean, there's probably someone we missed was who's... of Fox production. That wasn't Marvel. Like, it was obviously it's a Marvel, Marvel comic. comics. Yeah, as I said, but it was a Fox Studio production. It's all on Disney Plus now, so it's owned (laughs) under the umbrella. Not the Wolverine. They just took that off. Excuse me. Um, And my last fun fact is unsubstantiated. It came from Wikipedia, but there was no little blue number next to it where I could find a source, and a two-minute Google gave no results. So take this with a grain of salt. But apparently, George Lucas heard about investigator Detective Tashi, played by Mark Ruffalo, and how he was really kind of obviously disappointed and upset that the Zodiac case had gone cold by the mid-70s. So it's thought that he named the Tashi station after this detective. It's spelled differently, but it said the same. So according to Wikipedia, the Tashi station where Luke has to go, he wants to go pick up some power converters, is named after this real-life detective on the Zodiac case. That's cute. I like that. Like, I really hope that's true. And it might be because George Lucas is from Northern California, or he was living there at the time. So he felt bad. So he was like, I'm just going to name this weird Star Wars thing after you. 
even though Star Wars wasn't a big deal at that time because it hadn't come out yet. Okay. So the differences between reality and fiction, according to that website. Should you um, say what the website is for resources? Well, we can post it, but it was just like what, ZodiacKiller.com or something, Katie? It's literally, I think, the main like conglomeration of literally all of the information about the Zodiac case at all. Like, Okay. Yeah. Cool. Continue. We'll definitely put it um in the show notes. Um, tweet it. Put it on the website. Yeah. What else? It's um. Zodiackillerfacts.com, and then it's the myths and legends subsection with the Zodiac the movie subsection with the fact versus Fincher subsection. <laughs> so <laughs> it's kind of like when you visit the case book of Jack the Ripper, and it's like four hundred pages of nonsense facts and well not nonsense but a little this episode of mostly murder but sometimes not has been brought to you by lengthy glossaries lengthy <laughs> glossaries this is what you come for folks <laughs> truly yes. okay so uh this is just i mean there were more things listed than what i wrote but this is what i was interested in and deemed important so anyone who wants to can follow up on that website themselves i'm interested um, avery and gray smith so robert Downey jr and Hall did not develop a friendship all of the stuff that we saw in this was fictionalized. They did not. I didn't know that. Have any contact until after they had both left the Chronicle. And that was only a few times. And Avery was not impressed with Graysmith in any way. Um, Minkus never disappeared. They were able, like, if they had wanted to contact him at any point, they absolutely could. Um, various jurisdictions were in contact with each other and the FBI. Um, both investigators, uh, so like Rep, um, Mark Ruffalo and Dr. Green, <laughs> Anthony Williams? Anthony something. Someone. I was about to say Anthony Stewart Head, but it's not. No. <laughs> That's Giles. So, there was a fingerprint left behind in the taxi, and both the investigators believe, or believed, I'm not sure if they're still alive, that the um, fingerprint is legitimate and would identify the Zodiac. It The fingerprint does not match um, Lee Arthur Allen. Leon. Interesting. That, the thing where um, Avery says that the, the symbol, the, the cross hatch with the circle, um, and Zodiac never appearing together is untrue. Um, it's the... The, they appear together with the wa- with the watch company. There's a boat company. Um, Ford actually had a car model that was called Zodiac and had like a hood <laughs> ornament. Like really? That. Yeah. Graysmith's solution to the code has no merit. It was quickly dismissed by the FBI and code breakers, <laughs> etc. Paul Avery was in good health and employed. Um, at his, like in the sev- in seventy nine and eighty nine, like when he was interview, he had interviews at that time. He was on oxygen in like the late nineteen nineties. That's when his health began to decline. So it kind of uh in the movie, it kind of turns around the meeting that Tashi and Graysmith have at the diner, where he's like laying out all these different points. The article says the thirteen points cannot withstand minimal scrutiny. <laughs> so like. They don't follow, they don't track at all. Um, I took a screenshot of this one part because I thought it was very funny. Um, <laughs> you can kind of tell later on in the, in the website, like that the person is getting really frustrated with the differences between <laughs> the 
what actually happened and what's being portrayed in the movie. So, the in the Fincher movie, obviously, which we just watched, Tashi seems impressed by Grace Smith's discovery concerning Alan's date of birth and the date of the birthday call to Melvin Belli. Fact. Unless Tashi had suffered a recent head injury or a case of amnesia, the inspector would know that the birthday call did not occur on December 18th and that a patient in a mental hospital and not the Zodiac had placed the call. If Tashi somehow lacked the intelligence to retain such information, this could explain how he could have overlooked such an important fact for almost a decade when obtaining a suspect's date of birth and other vital statistics is usually the first thing on an investigator's list of things to do. Tashi's seeming stupidity would seem to have also infected his partner, William Armstrong, and every other person involved in the investigation of Arthur Lee Allen. (laughs) So they're just real frustrated. Yeah, it was very funny. It's like, yeah, these guys are either really stupid or Fincher said something that wasn't accurate. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was pretty much it. Are you for- telling me that movies aren't real? Katie, I'm really sorry to break it to you. Oh, no! Yeah, movies aren't real. <laughs> you know what I find really interesting? Wait a minute, hold up. <laughs> Hugh Laurie is not the prime minister? No. Sorry, no. Grant. Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant. I was like, I don't remember when he played the Prime Minister, <laughs> yeah. but that's totally possible. I thought you were referencing something I just hadn't seen. <laughs> I know. Okay, so... I mean, I'd watch that let's, movie. Let's get a PBS. Um, Please. Oh, never mind. Oh, I was going to say, it's just really interesting to see, like, that Fincher did 18 months of investigation and then, like, went uh but i'm trying to make an entertaining movie so i'm gonna make up most of this (laughs) yeah like there were um excluding factors in a lot of what they said well i'm sure you're aware that it's uh real bad oh yes because uh there are a lot of police and there's a lot of newspaper dudes um i did i tried to keep it accurate to people who had more than a couple lines like people that were interviewed for two lines did not count but even so there were eight women and 30 men (laughs) (laughs) yeah gross and all of the women were either victims or wives one secretary and two sisters so uh only relevant to their relation to men it was yeah this was not the best portrayal and i'm sure there were women working at that newspaper i'm sure there were women somewhere in the police but nothing not a movie and i guess if you're really focusing on real life people and you're talking like obviously most of the people who were in charge are going to be men in the 70s so i mean they still are now so okay stars and stabs Let's start with Mac. Um, Stabs are a bit of a difficult thing for me to measure this by, because ordinarily, when it comes to stabs, I try to connect the dots to see how easy it would be to solve the murder. But as we've (laughs) said at the head of this whole thing, if we solved this thing, did we solve this thing? We did not solve this thing. Ted Cruz, I thought we already said. James Woods. Uh, Allegedly. Allegedly. Covering my ass in case he brings his formidable law team. Law team? <laughs> law team. It's funny because he also lost yesterday. 
when it comes to stabs, I'm going to give an NA on this one. Not available. I can't give this stabs. I can't judge this as a mystery because it's not a fun love and romp. This is actual murder that real human well, beings Well, how encounter. about you talk about the investigator tactics? The actually, I can can't I, no, because these aren't I'm actual make, investigator tactics either. I'm going to make a, investigators. a unilateral decision. This is real life. We can't give stabs on this. We can't yeah. measure the mystery. Because, first of all, we're given an inaccurate portrayal of real life. And I don't Second think Second of all, we can... we're not qualified to pass judgment on trained professionals trying to solve crime. I mean, all right. got, the most whimsical thing about this is that weird bag uniform. And if somebody came at me wearing one of these fucking things, I'd pee my pants. Okay, so... I think Mac would like us is, to mention that he, he has is a holding Zodiac up a Zodiac I do have a pre-made hood. Zodiac mask. Don't worry about it. I'm going to go ahead and give this movie a solid 8.5 stars and keep sh- keep quiet after that. Cool. All right. Maddie, I'm going with what are your stars? nine stars. It was enjoyable. I liked it. Goodbye. <laughs> I think we need to add the caveat that Mac has a Zodiac hood because he made a YouTube video, not because he's a creep. That's separate from why he has Those are hood. both true, but for different reasons. <laughs> but not related. There's a correlation, not a causation. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I saw you setting up the pitch and I didn't <laughs> stop it. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. Um, I'm with Maddie. I, for being a two hour and 37 minute movie, I did not notice time pass. And I didn't realize it's basically just do- dialogue. Like it's just dudes talking to each other. But I didn't hate, like, I liked it a lot. So nine stars. As a movie, it was very enjoyable and good. Okay. I'm going to go with eight stars because it was very enjoyable and good. The The pace was fantastic because, as you mentioned, two and a half plus hours. It didn't feel long or boring at any point. Um, the visual aspect was amazing. Costumes, props, cars, music was great. But it was made in 2007. You can have more ladies. You obviously know, like, if this, if this was made in the 70s when all of these events happened, it wouldn't be a surprise that there weren't a, a bunch of women. <laughs> but, like, you can have women in this. So even in the I background. Don't like that. There's not even women in the background. Yeah. So I don't like that. That knocks some stuff down. Um, and, like, there, there was interviews and stuff that Fincher said about, like, following the emotion of the movie and we're seeing it from the perspective of the people. And so like you kind of see um Graysmith slash Gyllenhaal, his journey and how he comes to a conclusion and how he comes to terms with ending his obsession. But like there are just too many inaccuracies and I don't like that. So eight. Eight yeah. stars. Okay. Oh right. boy, guys. Uh, so let's agree, a- maybe not. I don't know. I love this movie. I like talking about it with you. Yes, but I thought it was a very good movie, but I don't think we should do more that are basically. More true crime. Like. like, more that are fully, like, trying to depict true crime. Like, I think yeah. we could do, like, Murder by Decree because it's, like, Sherlock Holmes trying to solve Jack the Ripper <laughs> because I, that's fictionalized more. But. I, I feel like. 
only fictional or real cases that have actually been solved. Because then we might be able to judge the tactics of the f- fake cops. But even that, I don't like that. No. We did kind of talk <laughs> about vetoing trying, that. I mean, we could do things inspired by true events, but not depicting. Like, like this has, Express. This has real people. Like, they're... Like, Mark Ruffalo met the detective that he was portraying. Like, he was like, I am this person in this movie. Like, I am... Yeah. If you look at the picture that... of the detective, he looks like he's got the suspenders and the bow tie and, like, the crazy <laughs> hair. Like, Yeah, like, that cartoonist is still alive. Which, honestly, I now have to imagine the funny universe in which... Um, uh, what was the guy? Who made Garfield? That Jim guy. Davis. Imagine, J- Imagine Jim Davis, like solving the cleveland torso murders or something or that (laughs) okay anyway so that was this we're not (laughs) doing anything that was real ever again um next time we're going to be watching the (laughs) 1938 movie nancy drew detective so if you want to know what we're talking about because we're not going to do super long summaries yay um you can watch that and follow along with us uh, we have social media presences we're on twitter and instagram at mostly murder pod if you have questions or comments or compliments those are always nice you can email <laughs> us at mostly murder but sometimes not you guys are at so gmail.com. pretty <laughs> yes we're gorgeous you can tell by our voices um, and we also have a website, mostly murder, but sometimes not.com. So thank you for listening. I hope uh, you enjoyed this episode and our discussion of said movie. Yeah. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One, oh, this is a two, long one. three. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know where we were going with that. Right. That wasn't even coordinated on my end. No. I, I waited realize... a second after you said go. I didn't All realize right. you were supposed to coordinate that. I didn't All right, know what everybody. we were trying to say. All right, I don't know. everybody. Bye. There's a secret okay. cryptogram hidden inside of all of our past episodes. No. In order to no. Stop. In order to understand. Nope. In order to truly understand this cipher, you need to listen to all of our episodes. Okay. And leave okay. Good okay. 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 On okay. iTunes. Stop on a fade Bye. out. Bye. 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 Everybody. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>